Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Today I want to continue with the Word of God that I was sharing about a life in the Holy Spirit. And we saw over the last few uh, sessions, we saw how the Holy Spirit, God wants us to live and walk and, and, and be engaged continually in the life with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus said, I'm going, but in my place, I'm going to send you another comforter, another helper, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when, you know, when someone goes, they want to leave some of the most important instructions behind. When someone is going, they want to leave something behind so that the people listening to it will know that this is extremely important. And Jesus said, I'm going, but in my place, I'm going to send you another comfort of the Holy Spirit. In fact, on, uh, before he was ascending to heaven, he, he told them, the instruction I want to give you is tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, the Holy Spirit of God. Why would Jesus find it so important? To tell the disciples, if you miss anything, I don't want you to miss this because this is so paramount. This is so key. This is so important, Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, I'll ask the Father and He will give you the, another helper that He may be with you forever. You see, the challenge with today's Christian life or Christianity in the churches is most people are ignorant about a life with the Holy Spirit. Many people know about Jesus died on the cross for me. That if I believe in him, he will take me to heaven. So that sounds like a very interesting another gospel. Listen to me carefully. That sounds like a very interesting another gospel. What is that? Jesus died and paid my penalty so I can go to heaven and have a good life. Well, that's really not the gospel. The gospel is so much more than that. The, the gospel is all man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If anyone believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus Christ is his Lord, will be saved. So the gospel is more than someone died for me, therefore I am going to heaven. The gospel is now, I was destined for hell, but now Christ, because of my rebellion and the wages of sin, now Christ has taken that penalty and is asking, now would I have him as my Lord and my Savior again? In the same way, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, so many people are just ignorant about the Holy Spirit. Most are ignorant about the Holy Spirit, just like when Paul went and he was preaching the, the, to the disciples of John. Yes, they said, we haven't even heard of something such as the Holy Spirit. Most are ignorant of the Holy Spirit. Many are informed about the Holy Spirit. They'll learn in Sunday school. Or they heard somewhere else. So they heard people say about the Holy Spirit. And if you may, we almost attribute the Holy Spirit ministry to a particular denomination. And we say, oh, it's the Pentecostals that are into that. Or it's the Charismatics that are into that. We're not into that stuff. And I want you to know, listen carefully, for those of you who are saying they're not into that stuff. Jesus said, one of the most important instructions He gave before He was sending to the Father. He said, I'm going to ask of the Father, and He's going to send you another comforter. The Holy Spirit. Many are informed about the Holy Spirit. Some have experienced the Holy Spirit. Few are led by the Holy Spirit. And very, very few 
are living a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Most are ignorant about the Holy Spirit. Many are informed about the Holy Spirit. Some have experienced the Holy Spirit. Few are led by the Holy Spirit. Very few live empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now the thing that we need to understand is that every day, if we are not living a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life, I I want to tell you that you and I, if we don't live a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life, we are not living the New Testament Christian life. We're not living the New Testament Christian life where we hear from God. We live every day walking in the Spirit, talking in the Spirit. Going to church every Sunday does not equal a New Testament Christian life. Walking with God, living in a life in, in, with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being taught by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, obeying the Spirit of God, that leads us to a place of living a, a New Testament Christian life. So when we look in the Word of God, we see that the disciples lived on another level. The Bible says in Acts 13, while the church, there were some the prophets and teachers, and while the church gathered and they prayed together, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Wait a minute. Here's the church in the New Testament times in Acts 13, where the church gathered and prayed, and the Bible specifically says, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them, which means they recognized A daily encounter and engaging with the Holy Spirit. They recognize the life of walking with the Holy Spirit. They recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in the church community. The moment they heard something, they said, this is the Holy Ghost. They knew that... They knew that it was not just them or not just the pastors. They knew the Holy Spirit was now living, walking, talking among them. Do you have such an experience in your family? Is your family a church unit that encounters a living experience with the Holy Spirit? Many times as a family, Hannah and I, when we pray together, we say, I'm sensing the Holy Spirit saying this. I'm sensing the Holy Spirit saying that. Uh, There are things in our life we have seen where we have just journeyed. I wasn't planning it. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't in my foggiest idea. I've been minding my own business. And the Holy Spirit suddenly comes into that situation and tells me, John, get ready. This is what I'm going to do. And I am shocked. And I've gone back to Hannah and said, Hannah, I got, I got good news and bad news. The good news is that God has spoken something. The bad news is that God has spoken something. Both are, you know, it's exciting and yet it's going to be costly. This is what I sense the Lord was saying. And there are times that she would I and both of us would sit down and we pray with it to see if we would hear something more from the Lord. I believe every Christian, don't just go course of life as usual. Hear from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Walk with the Holy Spirit. And this is not meant only for prophets and pastors. This is meant for every child of God. It is meant for you. You can walk with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. That is an exciting life. Imagine in Revelation in chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10. The apostle John was left in the island of Patmos. He was put in prison on the island of Patmos. In fact, they say that they put him in a pot of boiling oil and he just didn't get boiled. And they took him out and they finally left him on Patmos because a miracle had happened and delivered him. Now on the island of Patmos, Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 says, Now John the beloved, he's saying like this, And on the day of the Lord, I was in the spirit. See, that's a New Testament Christian life. But John is not saying, on Sunday morning I went to church. 
Now that I've done, done with church, I'm going to lunch. Now that after I'm done with lunch, I'm going for a siesta. And after I'm done with a siesta, I'm going for a movie in the night. See, that's not the life he lived. The Bible says in Revelation 1.10, he says, On the day of the Lord, I was caught up in the Spirit. There was something so powerful. And the Bible says we need to desire that. The Bible says we need to practice the presence of God. We need to pray in the Spirit. If we are not living a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life, we are not living that empowered New Testament Christian life. We just live, uh, uh, we just end up living a tradition. We just end up, you know, settling for so much less than what God has called us for. Hallelujah. Many, many times I have found in my life how the Holy Spirit, you walk with the Holy Spirit, He will talk to you. You listen to the Holy Spirit, He will lead you. You can have an exciting Christian life. I was flying into one country recently. I was just, you know, I have flown into that country so many times. I just took account of the number of times that in my lifetime I've flown in and out of that country over the last 10 years at least close to 60 times. And I'm thinking in my heart, you know, in the early days when I would go in for ministry, when I'm landing, I'll be sitting on the plane, Shaka Ramanda Bokobara, praying in the Spirit, all excited. Now you've gone in and out so many times, you know, you just, you're just, just so used to this, you know, exactly where, in the airports, where those restrooms are, you know, where that restaurant is, what food you get in which place, where you get your visas. I just know that place like the back of my hand. So sometimes you just get used to this, and it becomes life usual. But the moment I was, le- the plane was Landing on the tarmac, I was just minding my own business. The Holy Spirit spoke something to me. God wants to engage you wherever you are. He wants to live with you personally. He wants to walk with you personally. He wants to be involved in your business. He wants you to walk with Him. Enoch walked with God and he was not. God is calling us to a life of walking with the Holy Spirit. See, he was caught up in the Spirit. There are times the Lord has spoken those things to me and I'm not ready for it. Because some of the things he tells me is not what I want to do. It's not what I'm excited about. But when I have obeyed, I have seen the mighty hand of God open up doors. The Lord has always, almost always, I was thinking the other day, almost every move in my life, God has spoken to me, I didn't want to obey. Because that was not my plan. That's not where I wanted to go. That's not where I wanted to do stuff in my life. That's not where I wanted my family to live. That's not where I wanted to do my education. Almost every move, I did, I was not excited about what God, but God spoke. And the moment God spoke, usually I tell God, Lord, you know I'm fighting with you, but you know I'll obey. You know, I would fight with God for an hour in the early days. One hour fighting with God. No, no, Lord. No, don't do this. Nowadays, I've gotten smarter. There's no point fighting. I register my protest. I've gotten smarter. I said, Lord, I register my protest, but I love you too much. I obey. Amen. And that's become an exciting life. Because that's the New Testament life. Because we are not our own. We are bought with a price. We are slaves of Christ. And if we are bought with a price and we belong to Him, then our family is His. Our home is His. Everything we own is His. Our tomorrow is His. Where our generations will be belongs to Him. What they will do is His. And that is why we need to live. We need to be filled. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. 
God wants to pour new wine into new wineskins. He does not want us to live like we just lived last year. He wants us to experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to live a life of revival and of restoration. That we walk with God in such a mighty way. And that is why God wants us to desire and walk with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, I want you to look verse 16 onwards. Galatians and chapter 5 and verse 16 through 25. The Bible says, but I say, Paul is writing to the Galatian church. And he's saying, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Every one of us, we are either obeying our flesh's desire or we are obeying the Spirit's desire. There's no two ways about this. Either it's the flesh, it's emotions, and what the flesh is prompting us, or we are responding to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. And whichever we have practiced, if we have practiced listening to our flesh, we will follow our flesh. And if we practice living in the Spirit, we follow the Spirit. There are sometimes some people have told me, they've come and, and they said, Oh, we've been to church for many years. We know, we know what church is all about. Wait a minute, you don't know what church is all about. If you have not lived a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life, you haven't seen the first thing about a Christian life. The Bible talks about walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now listen to me carefully. The Bible does not say that if we overcome the flesh, then we will walk in the Spirit. The Bible does not say if you overcome the desires of the flesh, then you will walk in the Spirit. No, the Bible doesn't say that. What does the Bible say? The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit... Then you will overcome the desires of the flesh. Hallelujah. The secret of living a victorious life is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The secret of living a victorious life is by walking in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is by every day learning to hear from the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you would be asking, but pastor, I am not used to hearing from the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to hear from the Holy Spirit. Read your Bible every day. Begin by that. God will begin by filling your heart with the word. And the Holy Spirit will begin to remind you of what you just read. Hallelujah. There is an intentionality in building a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't happen by itself. If you want a relationship with your spouse, you want a relationship with your children, it has to be intentional. There's got to be time. There's got to be an investment into it. There's got to be a decision to make time for somebody. Sometimes we have to cut away time from something else. There's got to be an intentionality. The Bible says, the Bible does not say that if we win over the flesh, we will walk in the Spirit. It says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will overcome the desires of the flesh. Look what it says now in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 onwards. It says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. Which means every one of us, our flesh nature has desires. We have plans. We have programs. We have desires. And we're very clear about it. Why? Whoever we have spent most time listening to, we are most sensitive to the promptings of that flesh or the promptings of the spirit. Many years ago, I heard a story about two dogs, a black and a white dog. Some of you heard me share this. And after church, 
you know, these two people would bring their dogs for a dog fight. That this guy would bring his two dogs for a dog fight. And people would bet on it. And he'd say, you know, this, the week he said, this week he'd say, the black dog would win and the black would. And he'd take the money and go home because people bet on it. The next week, everyone think, oh, the black's going to win. The next week, they'll bet on the black dog. And he would say, the white dog's going to win. And the white dog would win. So someone asked him, what's the secret? I mean, how do you know which dog's going to win? He said, very simple. One week, I feed the black dog and I starve the white. That week, the black dog wins. The next week, I starve the white one. And I feed the black. And that week, the black dog wins. Whichever you starve begins to lose. When you feed the flesh, the flesh begins to win. That's why the Bible is saying, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So here I want you to understand, as a child of God, every one of us, our flesh has certain desires. We have certain plans. We want something some way. We want to do something some way. Our spirit also, the spirit of God in us, has certain desires. Then it goes, the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. Which means everything that we conceive in the flesh is in enmity to the will of the spirit. It's the flesh is saying, don't do what the Holy Spirit is saying. The flesh is constantly, no, don't do that. I've heard many people come and tell me, sometimes they, they want to marry you know, someone or that. And you know, we, we, some, for some reason we'll tell them, no, that's not a good idea. And the person has told me, but pastor, for the first time someone has loved me. And you see, the, the, the emotion of the flesh is telling them to disobey something that God has planned, the plan of the Spirit. So the flesh is in enmity. Or someone would say, uh, you know, uh, I, I've been really waiting to go and live in that other nation. But the Holy Spirit's been telling you, no, that's not my plan for you. But in your heart, you really want to do that. And then you're fighting with God. And you're fasting and praying that God will open a door for you, that that will happen. I want you to know, the flesh has desires and the Spirit has desires. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Which means your flesh is telling you, do this. But your spirit is telling you, no. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I shared a story this morning about years ago that I had an experience. I, was a, I just joined college and there was a super senior who had violated me in some area of my life. And I was so angry with this person. I was thinking the next time, I, you know, I, I am going to see to it that I, I'm going to just hurt him really bad. So, I mean, time went on. He had passed and moved, gone on from college. And in my heart, I was harboring this pain against this person. And I was thinking in my heart, you know, I was so angry. I was thinking in my house, I said, I'm, the next time I see him, I'm going to pick him up. And I'm going to put him against the wall because he was not very tall. I'm going to put him against the wall and I'm going to rearrange his face for him. I was so angry in my heart. And, I, and, and you know those times you'll be playing that in your mind. The next time you see him, this is going to happen. The next time. And I'm telling myself, I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to put him on the wall and I'm going to bash his nose. And the only problem was through those years, so he had left college and he came back five years later to do his post-graduation. Five years later, we were super seniors in college. Now, when you're super seniors in college, you know, postgraduates in those days, uh, at that time, uh, are, are not a big group of people. So the super senior, finally, a medical college students are like one gang. And so now you're a super senior, you can do anything and get away with it. And so in my heart, I'm thinking, the day I meet him, 
I'm going to rearrange his face for him. And this is exactly what I was thinking. I'm going to make sure his face is not looking the same anymore. You know, and, and while I'm thinking all of this, one day, finally, I'm coming out of the morning, 8 o'clock class, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I see this guy walking back down the aisle here. Little did I know he joined for post-graduation. And after a few years, I'm seeing him for the first time. I was angry in my heart. And as I'm walking closer and getting angry, I said, this is the moment I'm going to do it. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, John, stretch out your hand and shake hands with him. I said, Lord, I can't do that. You know, when the Holy Spirit tells you like that, you feel like a failure. I'm walking up to the person, looking at this person. This is the moment I was waiting for, for two, three years now. and looked at him and... But by this time, I had grown in the Lord. I'd, I'd got used to listening to the voice of God. I'd got used to obeying the voice of God. I went close to the person, walking down the aisle, coming close. I stretched my hand out. He was trembling too, because he knew I was upset and angry from a few years ago. It was the first time we were meeting after that. I'm walking close. I stretched my hand out. He stretched his hand out. I shook his hand, and I let him go. And I was feeling like a failure. I was feeling like this was the moment I was waiting for. That, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, John, you just won. You just won. Many times we, we think that following the flesh and following everything we want, that's wisdom. But the Holy Spirit says, the flesh and its plans are in enmity with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God and His plans are in enmity with the flesh. And that is why they're in opposition with one another. But it goes on to say, but if... You are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Now the Bible goes on to say, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Which means, it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to understand which behavior is from the flesh. And which behavior is from the Spirit. It says the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enemies, strife. I mean, think about this. Outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, divisions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and these things. Look at these words that it's saying. It's saying over here, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. Now that every one of us knows, oh well, that's immoral, that's not right, that's ungodly. And so, so we far easily would tell ourselves, I won't live an unfaithful life. Bible goes on to say impurity or sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And we're telling ourselves, no, I don't do any of that. I'm good. This is, this is pretty neat. I, I looks like I'm living a spiritual life. And then it comes on to say enmity. So wait a minute. Which means the Bible is saying the Spirit of God does not permit us to have enmity with anybody. The Spirit of God does not allow us to have anger in our heart or hold a grudge in our heart against enmity, against anybody. Then it goes on to say, the things of the flesh are evident. Strife. Which means, if there's strife within the family, that's not spirit-led. That's not spirit-filled. The Bible goes on to say that God wants us to be transformed. God wants us to be changed. God wants us to live a life of, of transformation. You see, he says, he goes on and says, strife is from the flesh. Jealousy is from the flesh. Some of us, you know, then it goes on to say, outbursts of anger. Some of us, you know, in our marriages we say, I'm not really angry. It's just genetically like this. My whole family, we're all just loud and we shout. And, and after some time we forget everything that we shouted about. Now, what are the challenges with saying, we say that's the tradition of the family. 
all of us men or all of us women, or we say, oh, women, no, no, we are not angry. We just, we just love you so much that we come after you to make sure that, you know, you do what we tell you to do. You see, so but we say that's a tradition of the family, outbursts of anger or, or envy or nagging or slander or factions or, or, or strife, but we don't speak to one another. We say, oh, that's just in my genes. I want you to know something. If there is anything in your genes, the Bible calls. And we say, that's just in my family. I want you to know the Bible took special care to put down some of your family traditions under the deeds of the flesh. God must love your family so much that he wanted to honor that family tradition. Outbursts of anger, strife, you know. As I was a young, young married person too, I would have outbursts of anger. And I, would think, and I would be telling myself, I'd be telling myself, no, I want to change this. One day there was something that, you know, I was upset about. My wife and I were upset about something, early day of marriage. And, and I looked at my wife and I said, I'm going to change. And uh, in my heart, everything in my heart doesn't want to change. Everything inside me doesn't want to change. I'm saying, no, you know, you explain it to tradition, you explain it to genetics, you explain it to your testosterones, you explain it to your estrogens. I don't know what you want to explain it to. Inside your heart, you don't want to change. Why? Because the deeds of the flesh give you pleasure. It gives you control. Why outbursts of anger? Outbursts of anger bring us immediate control. So many of us say, no, 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 I'm not in control. In fact, the Bible says control is a myth. Control is a myth. Nobody is really in control. You, you cannot control anyone by shouting, nor can you control anybody by crying. There is no such thing. In the, you, the, it's, it's not true. In fact, the only Bible proof permitted place where the word control is used in the Bible is in self-control. Where God is asking you and me, get a grip on yourself. Get a grip. Don't explain the flesh nature as genetics. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying, these are the things of the flesh. And he says, he goes on to say, and things like this, of which I forewarn you. So I would, I, one day I told Hannah, I said, I said, Hannah, I'm going to change. You know, and uh, uh, it, takes a, it takes a lot for your spouse in the early days to believe, you know, when you say you're going to change. And uh, I would lie down in bed sometimes. And I would just be speaking to myself, you're going to change. You're going to change. It's okay. And I would tell myself, I would, I'll be telling myself, I'd, while I'll be lying down in bed, just before going to bed, I'll be thinking about the incident. I'll be saying, you're a slave of Christ. You're a slave of Christ. You have no right to behave like that. You're a slave of Christ. I'll be speaking to myself, this has got to change. This has got to change. This has got to change. And you know, sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, there may be people who tell you, as if you'll change. You're not going to change. And in your heart, everything, the flesh nature and the spirit nature are fighting one another another and God is saying that I want you to walk with the Holy Spirit that if you walk with the Holy Spirit see walking with the Holy Spirit is the para what are the paramount signs of a Christian life it's not the Bible knowledge you have it is not the miracle ministry you have it is not the prophetic gift you have the walking with the Holy Spirit is one of the signs of living with the Holy Ghost one of the signs of a spirit-filled life and it goes on to say now listen to this. It says, though the works of the flesh are, are, are evident, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and the, till there we are okay. Till there we are okay. And we say, I'm doing pretty good. Just like the rich ruler told Jesus. Oh, honor your father and mother, keep the Sabbath, you know, love God, oh, pretty neat. I've done all that from my childhood. Jesus said, you lack one thing. What's that? 
Go sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow me. You see, do you know something? This wise, this rich young ruler, he had a problem. He said, I'm following all the Ten Commandments. You know what Jesus asked him? Sell everything, give to the poor and follow me. You know which, what Jesus did? He just rephrased the first commandment. He asked the guy, you know, do the Ten Commandments. And the rich ruler said, that's a piece of cake. I've been doing that for my children. Jesus said, okay, since you're so cool at this, let me rephrase the first commandment. What's the first commandment? You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And uh, that's the first commandment. So God said, let me just rephrase it. Let's go back to point number one. Go sell everything. Since you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me, since you love God. And the rich ruler was heartbroken. Because when the commandment was put in another way, he couldn't obey it. Many times in our life, when we look at ourselves, in, in, we feel self-righteous. I'm doing everything okay. Everything's pretty neat. And in our heart we're saying, I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I'm not like them. And if we are living a life that I'm not like them, constantly we're thinking, we are living a life led by the flesh. That's what the Pharisee was doing. Uh, thank you, Lord. I'm not like him. And oftentimes in our homes, in our marriages, in our, we do the same thing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not like her. <laughs> or she said, thank you, Lord. I'm not like him. <laughs> That's what we do. And there's a tax collector lifting his he, he hands to heaven and he wouldn't even lift his face to God. And he's saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a terrible fellow. You see, when we walk in the Spirit, we begin to see how much we are walking in the flesh and how much we need to change. And God wants to work in that area of our life. And he goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Which means if I'm Spirit-filled, is there a meter to know if I'm walking a Spirit-filled life or not? Is it only the charis gifts of God that make people know that they're Spirit-filled? You know, when Pastor Jijo comes to the front, He's calling out names and healing and miracles and all of that. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hmm, compared to him, I'm not spirit-filled. He's walking in the gifts. And then I come here and I teach God's word. And I say, hmm, this doesn't look very spiritual. But this has, neither does the preaching of the word, nor operating in the gifts, have anything much to show about whether we are walking in the spirit. Because the charis gifts are free, given to all people. Salvation is also freely given to us. Then what is it that we can make a difference? Now that we've received salvation, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Put to death everything that is not honoring the Holy Spirit in our life. The Bible goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you know what a fruit is? You know what a fruit is, right? It, it, does it happen bang like that? It's got to be grown. It's got to be tended. It's got to be taken care of. And how many other times we have looked at the plant we planted in our backyard and waited for fruit. It gave leaves. It gave shoot. It even gave flowers. But it did not give us any fruit. Which means it promised fruit is coming. Fruit is coming. And then all the flowers fell off. And I think God is calling say, but the fruit of the spirit, which means how do I know? That if I'm walking with the Spirit, is there a sign? Are there signs by which I know I'm walking in the Spirit? Yes, the answer is there are signs. What are the signs? But the, it will produce fruit. 
of the Holy Spirit. What are the signs? The signs are, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And what is love? Love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. Because you don't fall in love and fall out of love, you walk in love. Love is an emotion. What is it? Fruit of the Spirit. Love is not a feeling. Love is a, an act of your will. Listen, Bible does not, Jesus doesn't call you to ask you, do you feel love for your spouse? Jesus commands us to walk in love with our spouse. Amen. That's a, and if we can honor that command, the Bible says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So if we can't honor the commands of God, we don't love Jesus. So having a gift, speaking in tongues, the Bible says it's like a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. It doesn't mean anything. If you give your body to be burned and you don't have love, you profit nothing. If you give everything you have to the poor, you're doing compassion, you're casting demons out, you're doing ministry there, you're preaching here. Jesus is saying, and you don't walk in love. It means nothing. That's not the ministry. That's not the Christian spirit-filled life. So what is God calling us to? Today God is calling us as a church. The Lord is asking, church, can we all commit to walk in the spirit? Can we, listen, can we commit to have a spirit-filled family? Isn't that amazing? A spirit-filled family, what does it look like? That father and mother, husband and wife will seek God to hear the voice of God. Now, when there are challenges, they will pray together. They will forgive one another. Because forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a command. Oh, but Lord, he gets under my skin. She really bugs me. That's because that skin is so full of the flesh nature. When the skin, when we submit to God and we go back to God. And you know, this is what I used to do. I would lie down in bed and I'd tell myself when I'm really upset... When I'm really, really upset, I tell myself, practical tip, I tell myself, John, you're a slave of Christ. You have no right to behave in any way that is unbecoming of your master. How many of you say today, I'm a slave of Christ? If you and I, we are slaves of Christ, we have to behave like our king. And it doesn't happen in a day, but there has to be a commitment for it. Lord, change me as I walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Many of us have no joy. Why? Because we walk in in the flesh. The circumstances depend, tell us what are determine our joy. But when we walk in the Spirit, we have a lot of joy. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? Patient. That's a Spirit-filled life. But if we don't have patience, some of us are, you know, the, the, our anger is at the tip of our nose. And we say, oh, well, you know, I don't have patience. That's how I am. You love me as I am. No, no, no. Listen, people will love you as you are. The devil will also love you as you are. Because he knows he totally loves this flesh creature. Because the fruit of the flesh is the rage at the tip of our nose. God wants us to walk in the spirit. It's love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Hello, gentleness. Well, when you walk in the Spirit, there is a gentleness about it, and, and we change. I constantly tell God, God, there are areas of my life I'm not able to walk being a gentle person. Lord, can you change me? Can you change me, Lord? How many can ask the Lord that? Amen. We're all in need of change. Amen. 
Lord, change me, Lord. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to walk with the Spirit. I want to talk with the Spirit. Because goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against this, there is no law. You know, let me close with this particular portion of Scripture, Romans in chapter 8. The Bible says in Romans in chapter 8, it says like this, Therefore now there is no condemnation for all who are in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. That if we are in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation for those that are Christ Jesus. Listen, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So there is a law of the spirit, there is a law of sin, and there is a law of death. There is a law of flesh. And the Bible is saying that the law of the spirit, that means walking in the spirit now begins to help us walk in victory over the law of sin. And the law of death. The law of sin wants to destroy our lives. The law of death wants to destroy our lives. But the Bible is saying, if you walk with the Holy Spirit, if you, what is walking in the Holy Spirit? People say, I don't hear the voice of God. Get back to the Word of God. Act upon the Scriptures. The Lord says, uh, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Act upon it. When you do that, that's a Spirit-filled life. When you say, you know, when you say, I know my behavior or my background or my tradition or my family lives like this, says like this, behaves like this. But that's not my family anymore. My family is, uh, my father is God in heaven. And God can transform my life. Bible continues to say, it says, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, As an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Christ has condemned every work of the flesh. God condemns it. God says, no, no, don't don't commit to that. Don't tell yourself it's okay. You must tell yourself. Every one of us must tell ourselves, that is not okay. That is not okay to live in sin. It is not okay to live in disobedience. It's not okay to not hear from God. It's not okay to disobey God. It's not okay to live in rebellion because that is not the way God has designed the family of God to live. Now what's the design of God? He goes on to say like this, for those so for those verse 5 Romans 8 5 says like this, for those who are in accordance with the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Which means, it's not an automatic thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't just suddenly come and say, He's asking you, can you cooperate with me? He's saying, I will empower you, but you have to set your mind. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you and me, but we have to set our mind. Remember, I was lying down in bed. I didn't feel like, but I was telling myself, you have no right to behave unbecoming of your king. You're a slave of Christ. Hallelujah. We have to, we have, the Bible says, for those who are in accordance with the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who are in accordance with the Spirit, set their mind on the things of the Spirit. We have to set our mind. We have to set our mind on a Spirit-filled life. You have to set your mind on saying, I'm going to live in the Spirit. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to talk in the Spirit. I'm going to have an intimate walk with the Holy Spirit. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be a decision. It's got to be a passion. It has to be a pursuit. You've got to go after it. And you will see your family change. Your family can be a spirit-filled family. Your personal life can be a spirit-filled personal life. You know, every aspect of your life can be spirit-filled. And the Bible goes on to say, For the mind set on the flesh is death. Which means, 
if you're saying this is who I am, this is how I am, you accept me just as you are. You, what you're saying is my mind, which is set on the flesh, this is my mind set on this is how I am, who I am. And the Bible is saying, if you're saying that, your end is death. The mind set on the flesh is death. A marriage set on the flesh, the end is death. But a marriage set on the spirit, a mind set on the spirit, a church set on the spirit will find the life of God in the church. Hallelujah. We will see, we will fall in love with God. A church set on the spirit, a church will be passionately asking God, Holy Spirit, tell us Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? Tell us, Holy Spirit, we'll be a church that will be hearing from God. Hallelujah. We'll be a church that will be obeying God. A church that is set in the Spirit. A life of, um, a mind that's set in the Spirit is, is life and peace. It says, it says uh, for, for, for those who are in accordance, verse, uh, verse 6, for the mind set in the flesh is death, but the mind set in the Spirit is life and peace. Which means, if you don't have peace in your marriage, in your home, in your life, in your personal walk, in your office, it's because your mind is set on the flesh. But if you set your mind on the spirit, and you say, God, you're in control. And you say, God, I'm a slave of Christ. That is settled. <laughs> and if we behave wrong, Lord, forgive me. But I'm committed. I'm committed to go right back and apologize. To say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have behaved like that. That was wrong of me. That was my flesh nature. I am wrong. I'm sorry. And I'm committed. Amen. And we say, I'm a slave of Christ. God, you're going to change me. And I'm committed to that. That says, because the mind set on the flesh. Listen to me. The mind set on the flesh. Unforgiveness is a mind set on the flesh. And you know what the Bible says? The mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. Which means if you are telling yourself, I don't care what she thinks or what he thinks. I don't want to talk to them. That's a mind set on the flesh. And the Bible calls us hostile to God. You and I can be born again spirit-filled and hostile to God. But the Bible says, but a mind set on the, but it's on, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. It's life and peace. But the Bible says in verse 9, however, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead, because of sin yet the spirit is alive in righteousness but if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus dwells in you will also give your life give life to your mortal bodies which means any impossible circumstance if you will ask the Holy Spirit to partner with you, Holy Spirit, come in. I want to walk in the Spirit. And it's not because others are behaving right. It's because you are bought with a price. Amen. Amen. It's not because others said the right thing. It's not because they did not, you know, they're living totally correct that you're always right. You are choosing to live right because you're Spirit-filled, Spirit, you know, bought by the Holy Spirit, bought by God. You're a child of God. That's why you have to walk in the Spirit. Then the Bible says in verse 12, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not under obligation. We are under obligation. We are under... We are under what? We are under obligation. For what? Not to the flesh, which means not to behave like the flesh, but to live in the Spirit. We are under obligation to God because of His mercy on our life, that we live in the Spirit. We are under obligation today to... If you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if in, by the Spirit... 
If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. If by the Spirit. So, if any of you are feeling weak today, I just want to tell you today, if you're feeling you're not able to walk in victory, you don't walk in victory because, uh, you know, you're able to. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will walk in, this, in victory. So what am I calling you to? I'm calling you to ask the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into every challenge, every area of your life, every decision of your life, every moment of your life. Invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Let's close our eyes together in prayer. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, we welcome you. Father, as a church family, we just... We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We are under obligation because Jesus, you died on the cross for us. We are obligated to live according to the Spirit. Father, we have no right to live according to the flesh. And so, Father, we are asking that in Jesus' name as a church, you will help us to walk in the Spirit. You will help us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That we will run away from sin. We will flee from sin. Whether it is immorality or sensuality or, or all kinds of wickedness. Or maybe it is outbursts of anger or divisions or factions. Father, those are the works of the flesh. We have no right to represent the enemy of our king. Father, we repent today. And as a church, we're asking one more time. Fill us in a fresh way, O God. Pray that to the Lord right now. Father, fill us. Fill us in a fresh way. Transform our lives. Change us. Make us like you, Lord. Holy Spirit, rain down. Holy Spirit, rain down upon our lives. And Father, we want to hear your voice and help us to set our mind on the things of the Spirit that we decide in a life of transformation. We give you the glory. We submit our lives. We honor you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Walk with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.